With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. All right, not to get too personal here, but take a moment to think about your undies. I know it's a little weird, but your first thought probably isn't they're awesome, which is why I want to tell you about me undies. They're comfy, awesome undies that'll make you feeling good from the moment you put them on. And when you feel good, anything is possible. Me undies are made with a material sustainably sourced from beechwood trees. Their naturally soft fiber makes a fabric that won't sag down or ride up. Trust me, once you put on a pair, you'll get it. With me undies, you can get undies sent right to your door. No more hunting around for the perfect pair at the crowded store and eventually settling for something good enough. MeUndies is so sure you'll love your first pair that if you're not happy, they'll do whatever they can to get you in the right pair. And if they can't, keep them and they'll refund you. So it really is risk-free to try the best underwear ever. Go check out the variety and styles for both men and women. And while you're at it, help and LGBTQ youth homelessness. A percentage of proceeds from each pair of True Colors designed by Oscar Zaldana will go to the True Colors Fund during Pride Month. Still not sure? Well, MeUndies has a deal for listeners of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. First-time purchasers get 20% off their first pair of MeUndies and free shipping. That's 20% off plus free shipping and a guarantee that you and your MeUndies will be very happy together. So get your butt over to MeUndies.com and treat yourself. To get your 20% off your first pair, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash Wade. That's MeUndies.com slash Wade. Now, Podcast One brings you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. It's time for the weekly flagship talking current events in pro wrestling. Jason, since the last time we talked here on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, the wrestling world has changed. All in, sold out in Chicago for uh, Labor Day weekend in less than 30 minutes, which for about a week was the biggest story in the industry, for those of us who cover the whole broad spectrum of it. And uh, then the WWE Fox deal came out. SmackDown moving to Fox. It's still a ways away, about 15 months away. Uh, but SmackDown moving away from NBC Universal and WWE do, getting this massive increase in TV rights fees. The Hollywood Reporter yesterday shed some uh, light on how those negotiations went, where WWE fits into Fox and how Fox is talking about them. The headline quote in the story being, they, NBC Universal, are embarrassed by your product, Rupert Murdoch said. 
before offering $1.025 billion over five years for SmackDown, while NBC will pay $265 million to retain the Monday Night Showcase Raw. Uh, it's an interesting spin. You have WWE now signed with two partners, Fox and NBC Universal, with one of them bad-mouthing the other and saying they don't like you as much as we do. This sounds like some sort of wrestling three-way storyline. Um, it, it's it's going to be an interesting few years here, Jason. And, and I, Well, maybe everybody just gets quiet and WWE just produces TV, but... This idea of Fox saying, we're a better partner than your others, and we love you more, uh, was kind of an unexpected twist this week in this developing story. Yeah, it's, boy, um, somebody really wants this story out there, that's for sure. It's, look, NBCU hasn't really gone out of their way to promote Raw on, like, NBC, but in thinking about it, unless there's, like, something like the Olympics or maybe Wimbledon and just some, some other sports programming that's that special programming. It's not like they're promoting their original shows. It's not like Mr. Show gets promoted on NBC that I see either. So it's just something that NBC doesn't seem to do and probably should. I don't even know the last time I watched an NBC program live, you know, like as it aired. So I don't even know what they do to cross-promote and as a viewer. Sunday night football, that's about it. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, well, and that, that's the, what you just said is kind of the key to this whole thing, is that what, what people are doing now, obviously they're, they're like, what's on Netflix that I haven't watched, that I've heard a buzz on, that I want to, or that I didn't finish, or that my friends are talking about on social media. And then there's live sports and live news. Live news still does really well. Um, not like it, on a broadcast level, not like it did back you know, 30 years ago when it was everybody just stopped what they were doing to watch the news, uh, the evening news. But still, uh, cable news does very high in the cable ratings, just a notch behind Raw these days and SmackDown. Uh, but the, the idea that WWE, as for the decades that we've covered this industry, is now coveted instead of scorned, is now the centerpiece of keeping Fox Broadcast Network, new Foxes are calling it, uh, alive and relevant, and that they're paying a billion dollars for TV. It's This is just, it's like mind-blowing compared to where WWF back in the day and pro wrestling as a genre was looked at as this scorned, well, we have it and it does good ratings and we make money, but we don't really want to acknowledge it or talk about it. It's a deal that I inherited and I'm kind of embarrassed to it and we don't talk about it. And now it's like, they're, you know, Rupert Murdoch and Fox, like, we're going to be proud and boldly talking about this programming. It's, I, I saw the phrase in the Hollywood story, wholesome family entertainment, which, you know, Steve Planamenti used to use back in this early 90s with me, um, <laughs> you know, talking about the WWF during, you know, emerging scandals that were, that were out there related to WWE with drugs and sex. And he's like, no, no, we're, we're wholesome family entertainment. That phrase was like their, their go-to line. And I heard it again. I'm like, wow. Um, it's not WWBPR saying it. It's network people saying it. It's media people saying it. So uh, pro wrestling's in a different spot. But it does feel like this is in part pro wrestling as a genre and what Vince McMahon has done to frame it. It's partially credit to that, and I wrote an editorial last week in the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter saying, you know, that this you can make an argument that this deal is a manifestation of a lot of things that Vince McMahon has done over the decades that has irritated a lot of traditional pro wrestling fans that paid off. But a lot of this, and it has to be said, Jason, is happenstance. It's being at the right place at the right time. If their TV deal expired one year ago or two years from now, this may not be there. I, I think this was. We will never know. Well, we'll kind of be able to figure it out based on other other deals that are signed a year from now and two years from now, and the landscape as it changes. I don't think there's a time in in this span 
that they could have struck a better deal. I mean, I think this right now is the peak time for WWE to sign a long-term deal, and that's why they're doing five years and not just two or three. Sure, yeah. Well, I do wonder, looking back, what happened. Because remember, Vince McMahon was... Well, he kind of got scolded for some of the bold claims he made about how they were going to triple their television rights deals the last time around, and it didn't happen. And they ended up looking really bad. And I I mean, just looking back, it seemed like there was good reason to think so. You know, they were branding themselves at the at the time as live sports programming and being DVR proof and all of these things, kind of the same approach they've done now. And so I don't know if it was you know the bad timing you're thinking of or if something fell through i mean it's it just seemed in retrospect it seemed really strange that vince was so brazen about that i mean i know he's brazen about a lot of things but to to go on record being a publicly traded company with as much bravado as he did about the numbers that he anticipated and then to come to fall so short and it yeah. seemed like NBCU is the only interested party i really do wonder if if, if there was something that fell through back at, at that time uh, it, it's a it's a good question. Maybe someday there'll be a book written where, by somebody who knows who will say so, but I haven't seen that reported or talked to anyone. But you're right. Uh, now, you could look at that soccer deal that they signed with ES, that, that ESPN signed, and, and, and WWE looked at that and the lay of the land and said, well, we want to, we want to be strong. Uh, we want to put word out that we deserve this to kind of set the bar high, that that is sure. what, what we deserve. And then... Um, and hope that it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that's kind of how I saw it. They looked at the landscape, they looked at that soccer deal, and they thought, this is what we should have, so we're going to put it out there that that's what we expect. And I just don't think they had the leverage at that point. But the TV industry is in a different place right now. Fox canceling scripted programming and going uh, with more live programming, because that's the only way people actually tune in live and watch ads. Uh, it comes at a good time for WWE. Uh, let me, we're deep into the show, but let me set the table officially here and do introductions. This is the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Wade Keller, joined by Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net. He joins me every three weeks here on the Thursday flagship here at Podcast One. And I thank you for downloading the show and uh, joining us today. Uh, earlier this week, I hosted the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, which are on a different feed. With the post-raw call-in show with an on-site correspondent and a mailbag segment with my co-host and same thing on SmackDown. We do that every single week. And if you haven't subscribed to that yet, just search Wade Keller in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or just about anywhere else. You listen to pro wrestling podcasts and you should see both a red and a blue logo pop up. Uh, you'll want to be sure that one way or the other you're subscribed to both the red logo and the blue logo. The red one are the post shows earlier in the week and the blue logo are the Podcast One shows here later in the week. Four free shows per week. Be sure you're downloading them all to keep up on everything going on. Uh, Jason and I will talk about some highlights from Raw and SmackDown this week, although, like I said, we went in-depth on those for an uh, you know, hour, hour and a half each earlier this week. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for, but what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories, before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for that same car you want. And your certified dealers know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. 
So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. All right, Jason, so back to our discussion here about professional wrestling and WWE's new TV deal. What about Impact? Maybe they can stand to benefit from this in some form or fashion, but I, I still just you know, think about where they could have been had there been a couple uh, different decisions made. And, and I do think that they were holding impact wrestling was holding out tna was holding out for this moment in time to a degree and they just didn't hold out long enough or weren't relevant enough now under a half a million viewers consistently it's just tough to make that art make the argument that they're relevant enough to be in the negotiating mix with these big networks but is impact not talked about enough in terms of maybe this trickles down to them in some way maybe they they can get a partner or does the fact that SmackDown and, and, and Raw are both on NBCU and Fox just sort of make everybody else, anybody else who's in the market go, ah, the, the market's saturated and there's really one single brand that counts? Uh, you know, that's, that's the big question for not just Impact Wrestling, but also you know, Billy Corgan and the NWA and Ring of Honor, obviously. And you know, Ring of Honor has the advantage, I think, because they are tied in with Sinclair Broadcast Group. It may not be a fancy deal, but when and if this merger goes through, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about them ending up on WGN. And so I, I don't know that they're, you know, because it's an in-house thing, I don't think we're going to be hearing any mammoth TV deals there. But I think they at least... If and when the merger goes through, and if it's not just wishful thinking within Ring of Honor, you know, in terms of them ending up on WGA, because I mean, there's also talk, and I asked Joe Coff about this at one time, and he kind of downplayed it. But since then, there's been reports, even recently, that they may rebrand WGN as essentially a Fox News opponent, where you know they're they're but they're both right wing news type of uh, networks, yeah. and. So we'll see if that happens. And if it does, do they want wrestling on their network? So with Impact Wrestling, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Um, do, you, do you think they had the foresight at the time? I mean, it just so much of that. And maybe I'm wrong, but it, it always felt to me like, they were, yeah, they were always hoping to get the best deal they could. But I, when it comes to Dixie Carter and forward thinking, mm -hmm. I, I don't know that she really was thinking ahead, thinking that this mammoth TV rights deal could be out there as much as it was just – living year to year and eventually living day to day. Well, no, I, I think that's right in, in that I don't think even we saw one month ago this level of, of, no. of TV deal being out there. But I think the, the idea, just in interviewing her a couple times about this in particular and the idea that, you know, we, we have a, a good product and if we shop it to the right people – Pro wrestling is a proven product. We should be able to get good rights fees. But every time it was this step down, you know, I mean, they, well, not every time. They, the Spike was a good deal and it was better than the Fox Sports 1 deal. But, um, mm -hmm. but eventually it was, it was a uh, step down, step down, step down. Destination America was a step down from Spike TV. So, and Pop TV, I don't know, is Pop TV a step down from Destination America or are we talking about the levels of difference that don't matter that much? Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it, it's it's. An, I think it was a step down because I think it became. I don't remember if Destination America fit under the barter uh, deal approach, yeah. but there. I mean, I've heard like they're actually being paid something this time. Right? You know, yeah. the, when they first moved to Pop, it was a barter deal, and now they actually get something. It's not a great amount, but it's better than you know. Just uh, you get some of the advertising money. Oh, for sure, and that's what makes it sustainable. Well. 
And, and I sort of mean like in terms of the ability to grow and for people to find them. I just think Destination America and Pop TV, they're on certain tiers. There's not, you know, the signature, mm-hmm. the level of signature programming each have isn't markedly different than the other. Whereas Spike was definitely a step up. And I think that affected their viewership. Uh, all right. I want to continue this conversation on impact and the uh, TV landscape changing for professional wrestling. Uh, we also can talk about how this affects the WWE Network. Speaking of which, we have a sponsorship message for you that you might want to listen to if you have not subscribed to WWE Network before. As a listener of Podcast One and this show in particular, you've got a two-month free trial offer waiting for you. WWE Network is an online video streaming service where you can stream every WWE pay-per-view live, watch more than 10,000 hours of video on demand, get a look behind the scenes with WWE's groundbreaking original series and documentaries, access anywhere, anytime, and on any device, including game consoles, TVs, phones, tablets, and computers. And now through June 18th, a special offer just for listeners here at Podcast One. New subscribers get a two-month free trial when you sign up for WWE Network at wwenetwork.com slash Wade. That's wwenetwork.com slash Wade. And the two-month free trial includes Money in the Bank on June 17th. Samoa Joe just qualifying for that this week. It's an opportunity for the championship hanging over the ring in two Money in the Bank ladder matches. Also, Ronda Rousey versus Nia Jax for the Raw Women's Championship. Tune in live and see which match goes on last. As Sam Roberts and I discussed last week and Jason Powell and I do this week. And then July 15th is Extreme Rules, where all the rules go out the window. So go to wwenetwork.com slash Wade to start your two-month free trial. What about, as we continue this detour on Impact a little bit, Don Callis, uh, uh, head of creative in, uh, in, in Impact Wrestling, saying he wants there to be a buzz by the end of the year with wrestling fans for Impact Wrestling that's similar to New Japan. Um, I'm not quite sure what to what to make of that, and I'm not sure that you know a lot of wrestling companies have gone out of business quickly, aiming for internet buzz. <laughs> um, you know that that's that doesn't get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. You got to find a way to turn turn what you do into revenue. Uh, what what did what did you think when Don Callis said that from both a possibility of actually that happening standpoint like oh yeah um if impact does x y and z if they just stop making this mistake and start doing that yeah they can be talked about like new japan and then on the other level does that even matter like (laughs) to business like is that what impact needs is to be quote as buzzworthy as new japan and be talked about and critically praised in in a similar way because they're such different products i mean impacts a weekly to our tv series and new japan is built around is built around um seasonal big live shows that help sell subscriptions on uh, on their streaming service and get broken down on access TV with occasional specials and a weekly one-hour show. Well, I think it's really unrealistic to think that by the end of the year that's going to happen. I don't think they have the talent roster for it. I, I wouldn't mind seeing them emulate some of the style. I wouldn't want to see them do a direct rip-off, but I, I do think that toning some things down, some of the comedy they do, some of it's okay, but you know, it, it, there's... I, I, that's the thing is I'm not seeing that when I watch their show. I'm not seeing them make dramatic changes. They still, in a lot of ways, come off as they're they're trying to do the sports entertainment formula more than they're trying to do anything New Japan, very sports-like and realistic. Um, so when he says that, I guess my first thought was, okay, is this just – well, two things. It, was this just something that popped into his head? It sounds good. Um, get, you know, We, we want to get that kind of buzz. It's going to make a headline. Or is it – 
for an audience of one, in this case, at Nordholm. Um, you know, that that's something they try to, that they talk about in-house. And when you say it publicly, it's something that maybe Ed Nordholm goes, yeah, yeah, that's what we want. We want that kind of buzz, even though there's really, I don't want to say no plan in place to get it, but just nothing I'm seeing on the TV show that makes me think, yeah, that's a realistic goal. Because I, I just don't think the formula they're using now is a, a an immediate winner. I'm not saying it's it's terrible, but to think that, you know, a little over six months from now, barely over, you know, they, that they're suddenly going to have that kind of buzz, I think is very unrealistic. And I, I hope I eat my words, but um, I, I'm, I'm not seeing it. Yeah. And I mean, their, their viewership numbers are hundreds of thousands and it's enough to keep them around. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they had 263,000 viewers last week. Uh, a year ago, they were at 305,000. So they were down, but they were up against stiff competition. The week before that, they were at 326. And that was up from the 272 the year ago, the same week. But they're bouncing around in that range of 300,000, give or take, on a week-to-week basis. On the right network, uh, you know, uh, on a better network with some cross-promotion and then a little bit of a budget to bring in a couple more wrestlers, I mean, I think it's realistic to get that back over a half a million per week. And that's at the 25% level of, of SmackDown. Um, SmackDown last week did 2.2, you know, around 2.2 million. I don't know if doing one fourth the ratings of WWE is worth one fourth the money that SmackDown is getting, but Impact would take, Impact Wrestling would take one tenth the number that yeah, SmackDown yeah. is getting for 25% of the ratings. So, you know, when we think about the fact, I, I guess I bring up, bring this up in the sense that if Impact just hangs around and does some things right, the wrestling programming is being valued enough, but there is a certain threshold of viewership you have to be at or else there's a huge drop-off in, in the value to any network uh, that, that there's an economies of scale to selling advertising and, and a certain level you need to be at to get cross-promoted. And WWE, despite some falling ratings a couple years ago, has stabilized uh, this year compared to uh, where they were the drop-off levels of last year. And I think that impressed networks that while all these other shows are, are, are free in a free fall and WWE was in a bit of a free fall a year ago compared to two years ago, now it's stabilized and they're actually up a little bit and they po- point those stats out. WWE certainly does. So this is a fascinating uh, a story to continue to follow. And the amount of money that's coming into WWE changes things so much. If I could add one thing, when it comes to the impact possibility of oh, them sure, finding yeah. a new TV deal, you know, and, and all of these companies, who is out there shopping their product? That has a lot mm-hmm. to do with it. Yeah. WWE brought in CAA uh, to represent them, and obviously, you know, they, they who knows, maybe they would have gotten the same offer from Fox, but it, it certainly seemed like it was beneficial. I know at one point, Dixie Carter brought in some outside representation. Yeah. Eric Bischoff was someone who worked well with Spike TV at one point, but who's doing that now for Impact Wrestling? Uh, you know, Ed Nordholm it doesn't have a rep as a TV guy. So is it him? Is it somebody else? You know, in MLW, there's, you know, Court Bauer wouldn't confirm it, but he didn't deny it either. You know, Jamie Iovine, there's been rumors that Jamie Iovine and Wale are, are invested in this company. Doesn't mean that, you know, they're necessarily, you know, somebody, I assume, struck this deal. Don't know how. But, you know, Billy Corgan has contacts within the wrestling or within the television industry. Um, and then Ring of Honor, again, tied in with Sinclair Broadcast Group. Who's doing this for Impact Wrestling, and I, I don't know the answer, and, and that's something that may hold them back if they don't have the right person there, along with just 
kind of the baggage that comes along with Impact Wrestling. If someone starts to investigate this company's history, you know, you can call it unfair because it was a new beginning with Anthem in, in the in the minds of Anthem. But there's a lot of baggage that goes along with uh, you know just this this company's history that might not be attractive to uh, a network that's looking for pro wrestling programming. Yeah. Yep. No. Well, well said. Are you someone who's in charge of hiring? Have you tried to hire someone lately? It's hard, but it doesn't have to be. Thanks to my friends at LinkedIn. A business is only as strong as its people, and every hire matters. So don't settle for posting and hoping the right person will find your role and apply. LinkedIn is more than the world's largest professional network. It's also a better way to find great talent. Ready and waiting, 70% of the U.S. workforce is already on LinkedIn. I am. And there's quality candidates. Businesses rate LinkedIn jobs 40% higher than job boards at delivering quality candidates. So is this what you're doing now? You post to job boards and hope you'll find the right person for your job? Think about it. How often do you check the job boards? For most people, it's a pretty occasional thing. But there is a place where people go daily to grow professionally and explore job opportunities. As I said, 70% of the U.S. workforce is there already. LinkedIn. You already know LinkedIn is the world's largest professional network, but it's a better way to find great talent. Just ask any of the hundreds of thousands of businesses who have posted to LinkedIn jobs over the past year. And because LinkedIn considers skills, experiences, location, and more to match and promote your job to potential candidates, businesses rank LinkedIn jobs 40% higher than job boards at delivering quality candidates. 22 million professionals view and apply jobs on LinkedIn every week in every industry, even yours and mine. If you're not using LinkedIn for your hiring needs, you're missing out. So go to linkedin.com slash Wade and get a $50 credit towards your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash Wade for your $50 credit today. Terms and conditions apply. Before we continue our conversation about this week in professional wrestling and the big news on a WWE deal with Fox Sports and its ramifications moving forward, and we've got other stuff to talk about too, I just want to remind you the most comprehensive, immersive coverage you're going to get of the way we cover professional wrestling is going to come if you become a VIP member. It's called a PW Torch VIP membership. PW Torch, or Pro Wrestling Torch, is my company. I started it when I was 16 years old back in the late 1980s as a paper copy newsletter. I still publish the paper copy newsletter and mail it out all over the world every week and you can gain access to the digital pdf copy of that newsletter an all text edition and have access to an ad-free website with all of pwtorch.com's content in an ad-free environment plus get this show and all the podcasts throughout the week with all the ads and plugs removed plus the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast throughout the week, all four free episodes, along with all seven PW Torch livecasts, have the ads and plugs removed on our VIP-exclusive podcast feed, which is compatible, by the way, with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android, or you can stream the shows directly from the ad-free PWTorchVIP.com website, which is mobile-friendly and desktop and laptop-friendly. And... Best of all, you get the every single day Wade Keller Hotline exclusively for VIP members, the Bruce Mitchell Audio Show three times per week, The Fix with Todd Martin for over two hours midweek, and many other VIP exclusive features, including the post-WWE pay-per-view roundtable, which we've been doing since 2004, I think it is, and gain access to our entire library of back issues dating back to the late 1980s, over 1,500 back issues, with in-depth coverage of the biggest wrestling events, the biggest stories, and the biggest controversies. Any big story that you can think of in wrestling history, you can read our coverage or listen to our podcast analysis when you become a VIP member. It is the best way to be a pro wrestling fan, to have our 
full coverage accessible to you with the ads and plugs like this one removed. So go check out our new VIP sign-up page. It's pwtorchvipinfo.com. Really proud of this page. We uh, just launched it earlier this month, and it's worth looking at and see if VIP membership looks like it's something that is for you. We'd love to have you as a member, so go check it out. pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com. Looks great on mobile and desktop. Remove ads, remove plugs, and get a ton of exclusive content and the largest single insider library of wrestling information dating back over 30 years, all with your VIP membership compatible with iPhone and Android. Getting back to uh, uh, WWE, the, the image that the Hollywood Reporter story uh, put out there that when WWE executives showed up for the meeting at 21st Century Fox's Manhattan headquarters for the pitch meeting, and this included Paul Levesque, Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, um, the, uh, the key other WWE executives who, um, who you would expect to be at the meeting, but Hunter and Steph uh, were, were also present. They, they were met by Fox Sports executives and Rupert Murdoch himself, the 87 year patriarch. Um, He joined the meeting by phone, I should say, but he was part of that discussion. Vince McMahon also part of the discussion. Um, Or was was Vince listed or was it just Stephanie? Um, I don't believe Vince was listed. I mean, I'm sure he got involved at some point. Yeah, it was funny because when when I first read the story, I saw them reference McMahon. I thought, oh, yeah, of course McMahon was on the phone. And then I I remember going back, oh, oh, no, they're referring to Stephanie McMahon. And then I was wondering if Vince was at the meeting. And you're right. I don't think there was a reference to him being directly involved, which in and of itself is interesting but not conclusive. Nevertheless, what, what stood out to me here is they walked in and there was a TV screen projecting a shot from WrestleMania this year of Ronda Rousey lifting Triple H in a fireman's carry. And the Hollywood Reporter story, this said this served as an icebreaker for a negotiation that would last two and a half hours. And that uh, that they, they... Oh, and, and the story also jumped out to me is referring to John Cena as an A-list star. Uh, an A-list superstar, excuse me, uh, which, which is, again, is interesting terminology for Hollywood Reporter to use about John Cena, who for all of the, the mainstream crossover star power that he has, to have Hollywood Reporter refer to him as an A-list superstar is pretty, that's a pretty meaningful way to frame John Cena's stature at this point. To me, George Clooney is an A-list superstar. You know, John Cena is... Uh, Wayne Johnson. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know if Cena's... Uh, maybe he's a B-list star or a C-list superstar, but I wouldn't call him an A-list superstar in any context other than purely pro wrestling um, as a top-tier guy. So, anyway, th- those are some things that jumped out to me about the meeting. But the, the image of Ronda Rousey, I think, cements uh, a widely held belief that the signing of Ronda Rousey may have been the most important signing in WWE history. That... More so than anything else in any other context, Ronda Rousey, whatever they paid for her was a bargain and has already paid for itself because that did give Fox a crossover, contemporary, current, big-time star that they could point to who's a woman from another sport with great recognition and is fresh, is a fresh talent in the WWE environment, and that gave Fox a hook to, to, to sell to their advertisers, to us, skeptical executives, to TV affiliates, and go, you don't understand. They've got Ronda Rousey. She's going to be on this show every week. Uh, she's part of WWE. I, I just thought that that really does cement that imagery, cements that that was a huge deal for WWE to, to get her signed and pay what they paid. 
Absolutely. I, I would also add that a memo to uh, the, the folks at Fox when this deal comes up in five years, do the same thing, only have it be Triple H hitting a pedigree. You'll probably save yourselves a lot of money that way. <laughs> there is that, yeah. Um, I, I, Ronda Rousey is not going to not be on SmackDown. And this is the other uh, twist on this story that we've been talking about. Ronda Rousey has to be on SmackDown, on Fox. SmackDown is going to become the A, speaking of A-listers, is it going to become the A-show because Fox yes. is paying more? It's a two-hour no, show. Well, Fox, no, here's, well, okay, go ahead, yeah, because you're, you're, now we're on the same page. I know where you're going now. Yeah, so they're on Friday nights, um, not Monday nights. And this, by the way, little caveat. This isn't signed. This is handshake agreement with Fox. Even Hollywood Reporter says if this, uh, you know, I, I can't remember what their phrasing was, but if 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 the contracts get signed, if the deal gets signed as reported, as expected, it's not done done yet. Uh, but th- this type of deal, when it gets talked about at this rate, generally is expected to be completed. Yeah. Um, the, the per hour rate for SmackDown is higher than the per hour rate for Raw. And Fox is positioning themselves because it's a broadcast network and we're, we love you more than NBC Universal. They're going to expect to get Ronda Rousey, which does, from a wrestling fan standpoint, uh, how does it affect them? Because for a lot of wrestling fans, they're like, I, you know, a billion here, a billion there. I don't care. Just entertain me. I want my, I want my escape. Uh, WWE is going to have to reassess the roster split. And I, I wonder what the show's bookending the week as opposed to on back-to-back nights and both on huge networks with a big step up for SmackDown, is there a chance that we see the end of the roster split by uh, you know September, October of 2019? Or do they just reshuffle the talent? Or do they have the very, very top names float between the brands with some you know lame rationale for that? I would think that they're going to keep the brand split. Uh, you know, I, I can't rule it out for the reasons you mentioned, but I do think ultimately you can sell both networks because I don't think they're going to be wanting to do a ton of crossover in, in terms of, all right, you just finished raw tune into SmackDown to see the rematch uh, on, on, on Fox. I don't think you're going to get a lot of that. It's probably going to go back to the old ways of doing things, check your local listings and, and, and that type of thing. Maybe they'll surprise me, but I think you can sell the network executives on look. Yeah. If we keep them separate, you don't get access to, you know, wrestlers A, B, and C for now. We're going to make sure you have access to, you know, equal talent, if not greater talent, uh, however you want to spin it, depending on which network you're talking to. And then it freshens them up and means something. Just, you know, all the positives of the brand split, that's what I would try to sell because I do think it's valuable. And, and I think they should try to keep that. I, I, I don't think you want to, I, I just, I, now that the brand split is here, I, I'm not a big believer in pulling the plug on it and then just having too much talent overexposed on two different shows. I, I think that would be a mistake. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could see them loosening a little bit, you know, more of your John Cena free agent types, that sort of a thing. But, but I hope they keep it as is. I, I'm pro, I'm pro roster split. I, I, I think that is the best approach. However, we see this on, on NXT. We even see it on SmackDown, more so than Raw these days because of the length of the show. We don't see all the stars every week. And I think that's a positive. AJ Styles this week appeared, yes. on, appeared on a video screen and was not even in front of the live audience, which was you know probably not great. I think he was you know expected to be perform in front of the live audience if, if you bought a ticket to that event. That didn't happen. But I, I like the idea of not seeing Lewis every week. And when Randy Orton's healthy, we don't see him every week. We certainly don't see him when he's not healthy. Uh, I, I don't 
you know, Kevin Owens on Raw, you're going to see him every week. They got three hours to fill. He's a versatile guy, and and I don't think they can afford to keep him off TV much. But I do think they should pick up. Uh, most wrestlers should not be on every show every week. Uh, but if you combine the rosters into one giant roster, as long as you're disciplined about it, you can. In fact, you can have an internal pact that we're going to take. We're going to make sure that. Uh, at least half the wrestlers who appear on Raw don't appear on SmackDown on a week-to-week basis, but it's in a rotation so that you're you're not overexposing Seth Rollins and the workhorses. Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, where they're not just in the ring every week watering down what it means to see them. I think So in other words, and I'm one of the biggest advocates for the roster split because I don't trust WWE's discipline in that way. And and I and I think on back to back nights it's even more important. But with Fox and 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 uh, and, be, and USA Network and being Monday and Friday with that you know gap of a couple days in the weekend or three days in the middle on the weekdays, I, I'm less attached to it. And I do wonder if NBC Universal, as they get down to signing the paperwork, doesn't go. All right, but here's the thing: if if uh, if our if raw ratings start to drop because it's clear you're favoring SmackDown. By putting Brock Lesnar, Ronda Rousey, Roman Reigns on that show exclusively, you know we need to have clauses in here for what happens if viewership goes down. There has to be some sort of incentive built in to the deal so that USA Network doesn't feel like now it's becoming sci-fi, uh, where it's such a drop-off compared to Fox in terms of how WWE perceives their loyalty because of the per-hour rate and and being on you know co-promoted by Fox. I just, I just wonder what kind of stipulations will be put into the contracts, if anything, to assure that, hey, we we want the top paid talent on our show, and they get assurances for it, and that might force Vince McMahon's hand. Yeah, it certainly could. Yeah, that, that's very interesting. A very interesting possibility that it, it, because I, you know, look that the whole Fox and WWE thing with all this stuff coming out and all this latest Hollywood Reporter stuff, both sides clearly want this out. This isn't some reporter who happened to gain an inside scoop. I don't believe. You know, this this seems like something that uh, both parties want out. We got the rumored figure from the you know that that USA Network and WWE are, are working toward in their negotiations. I would say, well, I'll put it to you. If one of these deals were to fall apart, do you think it's would be, I'm not saying it's going to, but more likely that it would be USA at this point just because things are so quiet on that front? Yeah. I mean, they had the right to match, and it sounds like they wanted the right to match on Raw, but were willing to give up the B-Show, SmackDown, and and Fox, you know, the, the amount of money that Fox was willing to pay was just beyond what NBC Universal was planning for. Uh, I mean, you know, there's that closing quote in the Hollywood Reporter story, you know, from uh, Mark Shapiro of WMEIMG that says, I think the theory that live entertainment and live sports rights have a ceiling is something media companies want to believe. They want to believe that it's getting under control, that the leagues are going to get a comeuppance and things are going to level off. It's not happening. Live sports and live entertainment are more important than ever before. Other television fare just doesn't offer the same engagement. And, you know, I I wrote this in the cover story of the Pro Wrestling Torch Disorder last week about this deal, that the thing that pro wrestling has that offsets a lot of some of the the drawbacks in terms of, uh, you know, socioeconomic uh, demographics, in terms of income level, purchasing power, and just the stigma that I think is, is less than ever but still there, is, you know, you look at what happened with Roseanne this week. Um, and that's such an outlier in, in a certain way. But um, with, a you know, a star you know getting fired for public comments, even if it's a number one rated show. But there is a fickleness and, and a big expense to introducing a new show. USA Network has run into this, where they're trying to introduce new shows and get new hits. 
But it takes a lot of cross-promotion, a lot of money, a lot of marketing just to get a show up and running that maybe will last three years or four years and fills maybe 13 or 26 weeks out of the year. And WWE and pro wrestling is a genre that goes back to the 1950s, to the birth of television, and it is a, it is a they can count on it being there every single week with viewers that stay with it. Uh, for the most part, obviously there's ebbs and flows in the ratings, but there's a core significant group of fans who are there 52 weeks a year watching it, no matter what day and what time slot it's on. And it doesn't get canceled. It doesn't have to. Uh, it doesn't take hi- hiatuses. You don't have to heavily cross or uh, cross promote to get that initial audience. It's there. That's so valuable right now as Fox essentially cancels all its you know cross the board scripted programs, and USA Network is struggling to get that hit. That's where pro wrestling is in a position that pre-Netflix, pre-Hulu, it just wasn't uh, pre-HBO as a separate sign, as a separate service that you can subscribe to and stream. It just wasn't an advantage that that was enough to offset the downside that pro wrestling us- usually had in the past. Right, yeah. I mean, and think of where we might be five years from now. I mean, we know Amazon was a player in this, and, and uh, the other name escaped me that was uh, looking at making a bid. Yeah, Amazon and Facebook both. You know, I mean, what's it, what's the landscape going to be like five years from now? It, so, I mean, as much as it could be, we, we, it's hard not to look at this and go, wow, maybe, you know, WWE, a billion dollars for five years. Man, maybe this is the peak of it. Well, when you enter in all these other players and streaming options going forward that may be more stable, I, I would assume they're going to be more stable by that point. All of a sudden, you have a lot more people coming to the negotiating party and, and trying to lure you over. Uh, so, I, yeah, WWE, they were smart to brand themselves, even even if it's BS, as DVR proof. Raw is, with three hours, Raw is now very DVR, is not very DVR proof at all. Yeah. But you know, it, it's it was very intelligent of them to do that. I mean, you just think back to where this company was following the Benoit family tragedy, tragedy, and how much they've done since then. And and we've rolled our eyes at a lot of it. You know, the putting smiles on people's faces and all this, the the be a star campaigns. It's worked. And so as as groan inducing as it is, when you see Fox touting it as family friendly entertainment and all of this whole good wholesome family entertainment. It's it's worked, Wade. Uh, you know, they definitely deserve credit for that. And, and I think a lot of people would argue they could have done all that and kept the integrity of certain other things that the core oh, male sure. demo wanted. And sometimes they've gone overboard, and sometimes you just have to call them out for hypocrisy or oh, yeah, you know, and all that. I mean, there's all those types of things where they haven't been perfect along the way in terms of finding that balance between playing to corporate executives and then having their 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 core viewers not just feel like props for a TV deal or props as a backdrop on a TV show, but that they're actually serving them. Now, they're trying to serve a lot of different kinds of fans. And I think it, it's, a, it's a risk for a wrestling fan to think this should, because you feel an attachment to the brand, that everything that the brand does should be for me. And so you see a dance-off with Naomi and Lana, and you're like, oh, God, this isn't why I watch, and you're mad. And, but then you tune back in because you want to see Daniel Bryan and Samoa Joe or, or Seth Rollins in his next big match. And you sort of grit your teeth through it. Well, as our on-site correspondent said after SmackDown on Tuesday night, there are a lot of people in that building who are very excited to see Lana and Naomi in a dance-off. And I just received an email popped up alerting me to a comment section with somebody praising that very thing. Yeah. so It may it, be cringe, but <laughs> right. hey, it is what it is. And, and I say it a lot, and I don't mean it to be mean-spirited. I just mean it to be matter-of-fact. When wrestling fans complain about certain things, and I say it's not all about you. 
You know, like it's if you there's things about when I watch WWE programming or any processing programming, there's things I don't like and there's things that I do like, and and I'll express that sometimes. But the, what matters most is the what comes out of my analysis when I filter it through. It's not all about me. It's about what, and it's become a cliche. I've been saying it for decades, and they turned it into this. You know, they co-opted it as cliche. Other people have said it too. What's best for business? What is best for business? That's what WWE does. It's not what's best for any individual fan or even one single demographic. And they have done a lot that was part of a strategy, going all the way back to rebranding at Sports Entertainment. And you can argue it was superfluous and not all that important, and they'd still be in a great spot and maybe a better spot because their viewership would be higher um, and network subs would be higher, and they still would have gotten a great TV deal without all this, you know, trying to do charitable work and, and rebrand what they are. We don't know for sure. It is just guess it's not guesswork you 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 know look at it study it and try to come up with a, a, a informed conclusion but in the end it's it's subjective not objective how much of that paid off i don't think sure. it worked against them when it came to getting the tv deal the question is did they pay an unnecessary price along the way to uh more of a price with their core viewers by making the product seem sort of foreign to what they wanted when they tuned into a wrestling show but right now there's a lot that wwe is doing well there's a really good talent roster that I think, from a star power standpoint, may not compare to some people. When For some people, the, the depth of star power today is not where it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. But that just depends on when you first became a star. And it happens. Over time, you look back and Kevin Owens will seem like a bigger star and Miz will seem like a bigger star than right. fans who were around for the NWO look at them today. It's just that's the natural cycle. The, to some people... Kevin Ash and Scott Hall and Stone Cold will never be what Ric Flair or Roddy Piper or Randy Savage were. Um, and for people who were kind of at the tail end of being fans during that the, the rise of Flair and Piper, they look back and go, no one will ever be what Harley Race or Vern Gagne or The Crusher were. It's just it's a generational thing. And right now, I will argue from a versatility, talent, on the mic and in the ring standpoint, WWE has a great roster that I think matches up really, really well with the talent depth and performance ability of any roster WWE has had. Well, certainly from an in-ring standpoint. I mean, there is... I mean, some of it, too, is just it's the scripting of the promos, I think. And there's obviously reasons they do it, but I don't feel like they... You know, Some of the scripting is sloppy and poor, and some of it is just... I don't know that they that for whatever reason this generation has attracted a lot of really good um, wrestlers, guys that and women that work on the in ring craft a lot. That you know maybe just for whatever reason that the verbal part of it wasn't as big to them. And, and you know it's there's obviously exceptions. There's some there are some very good talkers. You mentioned Kevin Owens; he's one of them. But it does seem like that is kind of something that's missing a little bit. Um, that you know you don't get as many good quality talkers that that can, that can deliver these memorable promos. And again, some of that weight is, has to be attributed to, well, it, it, they're written for them as well. It's not just people going out there and saying what they want and, and having years to perfect that craft as we saw, you know, going back to the territory days even. Yeah. Yeah. And, and certainly there's a hit or miss aspect, but I, I think even without, with or without scripting, the overall, 
talent level and polish on a lot of the stars, especially s- smaller guys who, who who have that indie experience who can go out there and just tear the house down. Uh, and I mm-hmm. shouldn't even say smaller guys because Seth Rollins is not a smaller guy. Samoa Joe is not a quote smaller guy. Hey, Jason, uh, let's before we uh, continue our conversation here, we got a lot more to talk about. Uh, talk about your website and how people can listen to you more often than just once every three weeks here on the flagship. Absolutely. ProWrestling.net is updated. Basically, if I'm home and awake and there's anything news, uh, news-wise breaking, you can get your news fix at ProWrestling.net. You can get live coverage of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, all the major pay-per-view events. And if you are interested in listening to a free audio show and hearing me on a weekly basis, go to PWBoom.com. I know I'm the .net guy, but in this case, it's PWBoom.com. It's a weekly show that I'm doing. I've had uh, a number of different guests this this week, it's Tony Schiavone talking some old school. We, uh, it, it's uh, always fun to kind of go back, and we talked about his uh, first experience in pro wrestling as a non-fan, actually somebody working, and it involved going to Ric Flair's house. And so we talked about that, uh, whether the studio approach that uh, worked so well back in the old days would actually work for somebody today, and a lot more. It was a really fun one-hour interview. Recent guests have included Dave Lagana. Uh, also, uh, Johnny Fairplay was on. We discussed uh, real wwe and reality tv john hennigan aka john morrison johnny impact the list goes on appearing on the show that made fair play famous survivor uh we've also had joe Coff, ring of honor coo on the show the list goes on a lot of great guests again the information uh, the, all the info you need is simply pwboom.com visit there usually new shows tend to drop on wednesday evenings and again the latest one with tony shivani if you like this show, then take a gamble on R.J. Bell's Dream Preview each week on Podcast One Sportsnet. Get everything you need on the biggest games each week from pregame.com's Wise Guy Roundtable with host R.J. Bell and some of the biggest names from the world of sports betting. Check out R.J. Bell's Dream Preview at Podcast One Sportsnet and Apple Podcasts. Also, remember to rate and review. Now, we talk about what this means for WWE and the TV industry and the networks, and you're right, Jason. We don't know five years from now where the TV industry is going to be, especially linear television um, and and whether there are even bundled packages anymore. You know, DirecTV is getting in the business of DirecTV now, where it's it's you're, you're streaming um, the, the shows rather than using a satellite dish and, and you know, how customized – and a la carte do things get? And, and how much is it on-demand versus live show? We just, it does Netflix merge with Comcast five years from now? I mean, I, honestly, you just, looking ahead five years is, is way, way, uh, it, it, there's way ma- too many variables to make any educated guess, even an educated guess on where things are going to be in five years. But what we can look at is WWE in the next year or two with this new TV deal. How does it affect... WWE Network and the priority placed on that. Um, Bruce Mitchell made a case uh, for changing the way that they promote the network and, and how what pay-per-views are because of how much money they're making for ep- every episode of Raw and SmackDown that now the network becomes less important. I am I just sort of look at the, the landscape and think, I, I think their formula is working, and I think that TV shows, Raw and SmackDown, actually gain value for the viewer, if it seems that they are building up to a climax that has some exclusivity to it once a month. And I think if you take that away, you take away sort of a, a structure and a guardrail that, that guides the programming. And, and 
in, in, a, in a meaningful way. We even see that with the Money in the Bank buildup. If you don't have a Money in the Bank event that this, that's this exclusive network Sunday night event, it becomes just a bunch of random matches. You know, like where, so I, I just think the way things are set up doesn't need to be overhauled, even with more money coming in and the, the, the changes that we're going to see in, four, uh, in about 16 months in the TV landscape. You and I are very much on the same page with this. It's the old, if it ain't broke, don't fix it approach. Because I, I think, look, you're doing really good with your television deals, and obviously you need to please your television masters, if you will. But when, this is an area where they can still grow. And, and yeah, five years down the road, they're, they're probably going to grow when it comes to their television deals as well. But WWE Network, it, it's still it, – with – the addition of Fox, with more people seeing the show, ideally, you're, you have a chance to drive up your network subscriptions, and it's an area of immediate growth, and I think that's going to appeal to them, where you know what you're getting for five years from Fox and NBCU if everything gets signed. So why wouldn't you want to make those pay-per-view events special? Now, obviously, if the numbers on Fox or USA Network dip, well, you do what you've done for years, and unfortunately, it usually leads to some hot shot booking, but you give away a big match or two. Yeah, I, I can definitely see some things like that happening. I can see them giving away some bigger matches to start um, when when they premiere on Fox. I, I think that's natural. That's likely. But should they just scrap the system and start holding all of their biggest matches on Fox? No, I, I don't think you do. I, I just think there's too much to gain from WWE Network. And he, I mean, who knows what that's going to be? I mean, there's even some speculation that they could farm that out to someone else, just as U, uh, UFC is doing with ESPN. So, I mean, there's still a lot of upside there with the network. Are you surprised at all, Wade, that NXT hasn't come up that we know of in television negotiations. It, it just, I, I know the, the mindset of keeping it small, and I know some people say, well, they want to keep it on the network, so it's special. I, I think they'll take the television rights fee. Um, I, I don't think NXT television is such a huge priority that it's a driving major factor for whether people keep the network or not. I think the specials are, the NXT network specials, but I don't think necessarily that it's part of the package, but I don't think it's if they all of a sudden move NXT to random network, whichever one would want it, maybe USA to kind of soften that blow of losing SmackDown, not going to do the same numbers, but there's some upside there. I think WWE would take that money they can get there, and the average fan is just going to go, well, I still get the network specials, NXT and the WWE specials to go along with it. I'm not canceling my, my subscription. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting question. I, as you're kind of asking, I was thinking, well, you know, wh- where would NXT fit in the portfolio? And I'm thinking, well, maybe uh, FS1. You know, they're, sure. give, give them something that's exclusive that can do meaningful numbers for them and saturate the market a little bit more to keep uh, Impact and ROH and New Japan uh, and, and anybody else kind of out of out of the picture by saturating the market a little bit more with accessibility of another first-run show that they have control over. I mean, I can see that being a throw-in at some point. I, to me, it's sort of like if, if you're negotiating for a new job and you get the six-figure salary you want – and the generous vacation package that you want, and the generous 401k matching that you want, I'm not sure that at the end, either side is thinking about, well, are we going to pay for your new shoes every three months and car washes, or are you going to do that? <laughs> like, to, sure. me, to me, that's where NXT is. It's like, it's such a, when, when we, re, you know, one hour a week of the non-Ronda Rousey level stars, I, I just don't know that it makes a big enough difference at this level 
to be something either side wants to bring up because one side probably doesn't know it exists. And the other side, it is the equivalent of paying for car washes. It, it's it, This money's so good, let's not mess around with it by saying, well, you know, we have this third brand you may not have heard about, and it, it features Aleister Black, and, uh, and they're like, no, let's come on. Let's we want WWE. So my hunch is it's just not quite there. Yeah. No, go ahead. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Oh, I was just saying. So my hunch is it, it's not really there on their mind of of a significant increase either way. That said, I mean, there's nothing stopping it from being an uh, an appendage later where WWE after the deal is signed and sealed, and WWE goes to Fox and says, "Well, you know, we know you want this at, at Fox Sports One thing. You know, would you would you want a weekly?" show on FS1 that is our, our third brand and maybe bring it up once the ink has dried on the contract so you don't mess around with anything else. Yeah, if, if I'm a network, that and I'm, and I'm seeing what WWE is doing here with the, the types of numbers that they're, they're getting from Fox and, and NBCU, and they have this third property, and I do a little investigation, that's the thing. They may not do it. They may not, like you say, know it exists. I'm thinking, boy, we might be able to get this on the cheap. And maybe you can grow this into something. And if we can lock them into a five-year deal on the cheap, this could be really valuable programming to us for the next five years. And, I, yeah. you know, of, of course the fear is that, well, then Vince and Kevin Dunn get involved and it fails to be NXT. <laughs> but if there's a way to keep it as is, maybe you tape biweekly or something instead of, you know, as, as infrequently as they are, man, I, I really think it would bring value to somebody. I, if it was – something a network was willing to get behind. And, and FS1 might be just the right place for it because Lord knows they could use more uh, attractions on that network. I'm a sports fan, and I rarely turn on FS1. Well, back to back to the, the idea of where WWE Network fits in relative to this, because NXT yeah. takeover specials are a valuable property, but the, the Sunday specials are, are far and away the number one reason people subscribe, and they're, they're the most watched mm-hmm. programming. I, I just want to underline, you know, I think we're on the same page on this. Just, I think, stick with what they're doing. Do, once a month, dual-branded pay-per-views with a full roster. Um, starting an hour earlier, I think, is better than going an hour later. If they insist on approaching four hours in length on a regular basis because they have so many wrestlers who they're trying to fit on these shows. And, and they cut back on the kickoff show where... I mean, like to me, having a kickoff show that features panel discussions and video packages for people who want to catch up on the product. Maybe they're not even watching Raw and SmackDown, or just have it on in the background when you're geared up as your friends are coming over to hang out or whatever. That's fine. But I'd like to see them shift the pre-show matches, the kickoff show matches, to the main card, so you don't have title matches feeling like they're so just... we're not being held hostage. What do you mean? In terms, of if you're someone who wants to see all the matches, oh, you don't right, care yeah. about the kickoff show. You feel like you're being held hostage, right? And and I think it diminishes the matches because I think the strength of the kickoff show are the panel discussions and the in the the getting you all hyped up for the big matches. And it sort of feels like the matches that get thrown in, they go to a commercial break in the middle, and it just sort of feels mm-hmm. like they're in the the back the back. They're they're not important. I think any match that's on the kickoff show is diminished because it's on the kickoff show. So if you're going to do four hours, just do a one-hour kickoff show and build up the show and then have the opening match be the opening match on the actual pay-per-view. That That's my preference. Um, keep the kickoff shows. I'm sh- totally with you. Keep them shorter, but make sure the wrestling always feels important and the two worlds are separated. But I, I, I don't mind a, a three-hour, 45-minute pay-per-view if it starts an hour earlier. I, if I'm, if I'm a, a wrestling fan on the East Coast, I, I don't want to have to stay up so late to see the main event. And I think if WWE 
uh, goes through with that and sticks with it. it. It's a good move on their part. But otherwise, I don't think they need to shake a lot up. I think that Fox is going to give WWE viewers who find the show on broadcast who are not getting paying for cable and don't have access to it, they're going to reach more people now. And those people can become network subscribers. And that's where the significant growth might come from in the next two years is Fox viewers who get hooked on the WWE product. And now WWE Network actually increases by a couple hundred thousand people that would not have otherwise. And I think that's another side benefit to this. And I don't think WWE should look at that significant as irrelevant. Plus, by the way, five years from now, they, they need a strong WWE Network for bargaining power. And, sure. and yeah. so if they can say, hey, you know what? We'll miss this money a lot. But if we suddenly aren't on the air with a weekly five hours of free programming, a lot more people are going to sign up for the network and we're going to close that gap. You want to have WWE Network be strong and a bargaining chip against any network that is that is telling them, well, you know, you need us more than we need you. And one other thing I really hope that this leads to is, look, you're, you're bringing in all this money now. And now is a great time, while everyone is wowed by that, to quit doing the things that feel like you're just trying to pad your numbers. The, we're going to you know, we're gonna have a 12-hour WrestleMania because we want to be able to oh, tout no. that this is how long people are watching the network. And it, it, it doesn't matter. People see – I think anyone who really doesn't – any – real investigation there knows what it is well the the months that you go super long with your sunday specials is when you know that average goes up so stop doing things like that because and stop doing now you know whenever i guess if it's now or when the tv deal actually kicks in that money starts kicking in i would also get rid of the 99 cents for three months because once you start doing those things wade it's just because you know i'm I'm not saying like there's no advantage to it but clearly they're doing it the the 99 cents for three months they just want to be able to point to that overall number and it's a great time to back out of that approach while everyone is wowed with the numbers they're doing because if you don't do it now people are going to be more likely to go hey why why is the network number down well why is the average number of hours consumed by the by your average subscriber down do it now while they're distracted because otherwise it's just i I feel like it's going to get worse you're going to see 99 cents for six months and they're just going to keep tacking these things on that i I find counterproductive other than you know look at hey wall street look at this and and it so it just feels like now is the time to get rid of that stuff well i I think some of the you know i I looked at the ww financials when they didn't break down international and domestic network subscribers Mm -hmm. and they talked about paid subscribership and i was like well that doesn't say full paid um and and they've been good about breaking down you know this is how many people are on a free trial versus paid but when you actually have people paying but a a incredibly discounted number and that's counted as paid that's not an apples to apples comparison and i'd like to see a little more of a granular breakdown on financials for that I think it totally makes sense to offer free trials to ex-customers. I mean, I you, if you quit, but a yes, health- but not when it's so like. I mean, I don't think they care right now if fifty people are using your WWE Network account. I mean, they they should, but I just think they're content going. Oh, we have this subscriber. Let's be happy with that. And all the people who take advantage of, oh, just you sign up using a different email address or whatever they do, you know. And that's the kind of thing I'd like to see them just go. Hey, we can. We don't need to cut. You know, just had these numbers, so to speak, we, we can get away with this. We Now's the time to crack down on some of that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I you know, if you quit a health club and you wait five months, you're going to get a better offer than what you were paying. And so there's going to be people who play that game. But most people, if they want to be a health club member, want to be able to go year round. 
and so they're willing to pay the fee, and if they just build it into their expenses. And I think WWE, what they're trying to do is, is get people who aren't familiar with the technology or just think, I get so much for free, why would I want it, offering them a free pass to try out the network and, and get logged in and download the app on their iPad and on their TV. I get that strategy. I'm with you, though, on long-term massive discounts just to get people back. Um, it, it's a, I mean, I think they're figuring it out as they go along, too. I mean, I, my newspaper subscriptions and magazines, they do the same thing. You, you ought to renew at a certain rate, or you, if you quit, if you cancel, you get a, a, a massive discount to come back. And it's always been the way that it's been done, and I think they just think that's the way it's going to be. I think they're going to learn from what's working with Netflix and Hulu, too, and how they handle things and other streaming services, HBO. And I think the industry is still trying to figure out where that sweet spot is. But if they're doing it, and this is 100% agree with you, anything that WWE does now just to create something, a talking point or a bullet point in their financial release, I think this TV deal takes away the need to, 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 to deal in that kind of stuff because I think it, it becomes of such less importance that they can kind of streamline around the edges some of those bullet point markers that they were aiming for before. Yeah, we're totally on the same page. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about uh, Money in the Bank hype for WWE coming up here. They've got uh, it, it seems like a long gap between pay per views because it has been. It's it's crazy. We're still about three weeks away from this thing. Uh, June seventeenth in Chicago. Uh, I talked with Sam Roberts about it last week. Uh, what is the main event of this show? Is it the men's Money in the Bank match, the women's Money in the Bank match, Ronda Rousey challenging Nia Jax, AJ Styles defending against Shinsuke Nakamura in a last man standing match? Is it yet again a Roman Reigns non-title match? Which of those do you think goes on last? I don't think it's Roman and gender for once. I, I don't think Roman Reigns cracks the main event this time. I think it depends on the booking. I, I think with Samoa Joe qualifying on Tuesday, there's a chance that that last man standing match goes on last and Joe wins earlier in the show and ends up taking the title in the main event. Now, it might be pine this guy fantasy booking, but it's that kind of thing. What If there's something from a booking standpoint, that's that's how you determine the main event. So it if there's not a title change, let's say they have, I, I don't think they're going to, but another really screwy finish plan for Styles and Nakamura, well, that shouldn't had that shouldn't close the show. Then maybe you go with your money in the bank match instead. Your your men's most likely. Um, you know, if it's Rousey and Jax, I, I want to see them do. Uh, they've done an okay job considering Nia Jax was a, a babyface just a couple of weeks ago, and they had that clunky upfront uh, angle. But now they're adding some tension. Nia's healing on the fans. But it doesn't feel main event worthy to me yet, but there is still time. So I think those are your candidates. I, I don't think there's the interest in the women's money in the bank. It would feel kind of forced in there. I, you know, it's like, not like there's none, but is it the, does it feel like the main event of the show? No. Same thing with your uh, with when Roman and gender. doesn't feel like the main event, and I don't think they want people walking out on a Roman Reigns match again. So, yeah, it's I, I think it's between the WWE Championship match and the uh, the men's money in the bank are the ones that jump out at me. I, yeah, I think you can... I would listen to somebody argue that Ronda Rousey's first singles title match absolutely, positively, unquestionably needs to, needs to be the final match on that show, no matter what the booking or finish or length of the match is going to be. 
I, hey, I can listen to that. Yeah. It's just, I guess, how confident are you in her? What kind of finish do you have planned for that match? Is Natalia coming out and interfering and you're going to send the crowd home going, oh, God, we saw that coming a mile away? So, yeah, yeah, it, it's that, that. I should have listed that. It's certainly a candidate. It just depends what they had planned for that match. Yeah, I, I, I think that if Ronda Rousey's first singles match, first title match on pay-per-view is not the main event, it defines her down. And I think that even if aesthetically at the end it feels like there were better matches that could have ended the show, the men's money in the bank ladder match seems like the most likely candidate to me. AJ Shinsuke, very close tied, is you know, WWE title at stake. Um, I, I, I fear that it will tell fans, Ronda Rousey's a big deal, but not as big of a deal as some other things here. And, and I still think she's in a position of where fans are willing to accept her as... Of course she goes on last. She's Ronda Rousey. And I think they're still willing to accept that. But once that doesn't happen, I don't think you can ever go back and put a match that doesn't feel main event worthy with Ronda Rousey in that final spot if the first time she fought for a title, it wasn't in the final spot. I think you, you define it down in a way that it's not recoverable until it's you know that, that giant match where it's just someone bigger than Nia Jackson. It's a bigger pay-per-view. But that said, if they do the men's money to make letter match, then Rousey Nia and end with AJ Shinsuke, I think you can do that because it's the WWE Championship. And, AJ, and, and you're kind of throwing a, a biscuit to SmackDown as a brand and the title that's on that brand at a time when it's heading to Fox or, you know, that's in the news that, hey, the title here isn't always secondary. Of course, it's because Brock's not defending on the card. So it's it's less of a prestigious move than leapfrogging a Brock match or a universal title match. But nevertheless, that, I, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's, it's a conversation piece with so many titles and so many in a mix of full-time regular stars like AJ and then special attraction stars who are a hybrid full-time star like Ronda Rousey, uh, it's, it's a tough call, and it's an interesting call, especially on a, on, a, on a show where the Money in the Bank men's ladder match is likely going to steal the show. And do you really even want to put the title matches in a position to follow it? So I think WWE's got some creative uh, decisions to make that, that have some you know, semi-serious ramifications on how people perceive the WWE title, Ronda Rousey herself, the women's title, and the Money in the Bank match as a gimmick. They all stand to lose or gain something based on positioning and framing. Yeah, hey, if they if they think hey, there's going to be a good match or whatever, you know, it's going to be a brief match. We're going to go with the knockout point. You know, what, however they're approaching this, if they feel good about it and they know they're going to headline with it. Tell us. I always say that, you know, I want when you start headlining shows with women's matches, own it. Don't you sneak it in there. I think in this case, it also raises the prestige of that match immediately. When you say this is the main event of the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, and it's not just one of seven main events, but it's the true main event, and you make that clear, I think it's going to make people kind of think differently about that match in a good way, going, oh, okay, what do they have in mind? Let, let, let's see here. Yeah. And, and that whole scenario I gave with Joe winning and cashing it, it could very likely be Natalia doing exactly that. She wins the women's money in the bank and then cashes in on Rousey, I guess, or Jax, you know, something like that afterward, too. And they may feel like that's a hot way to close the show. We've got a, a, a couple episodes to go, uh, but they have downplayed Natalia 
in her dynamic with Rhonda, where it's not just this weekly thing. So I'm, I'm kind of curious if they're downplaying that or they're laying low or, hey, we got weeks of television to fill. We need to reintroduce that at the right time, but let's let Rousey and Nia have the stage. Um, uh, Jason, before... Well, we- that, they, no, I, I disagree, though, Wick. Yeah. Look, this week they did. It was just two weeks ago we got the, the photos of them at the Eiffel Tower together. <laughs> Next week, we're, I think we're getting Nia Jackson, Natalia. And so I think they're, they're still all in on that. It was just kind of a one-week break. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, fair point. Good point. Um, let's uh, let's try to get a couple emails in here before we wrap up the podcast one show, and then uh, we'll do our traditional uh, VIP after show where we uh, hit some more emails, and, and I just want to talk to you more about Raw and SmackDown, and also a little bit on uh, MLW. Uh, we'll see the where the Enzo discussion falls here. Um, and we'll talk about. <laughs> And those music video, and, and actually some more on uh, on All In, because you and I haven't had a chance to talk about that. So a lot more to cover, but I, I want to get some emails in from people who listen to the show and sent in questions for the flagship. Uh, Brian H. says, now that the field is set, who do you think will win the Women's Money in the Bank match? Do you think it's possible Charlotte wins a briefcase now that it seems Asuka will likely defeat Carmella? If there were to be a second superstar shakeup later this summer, as there was last year, she could cash the briefcase in for a match against Ronda Rousey like Rob Van Dam a decade ago? Or does it make more sense to have Sasha win the briefcase and chase Ronda for the next year? I love either scenario. I hope one of these women win the match. No one else really excites me. What are your thoughts? So to lay it out here, this is the field, Jason, for, is for, for our listeners. Mm-hmm. kind of, And we got um, Charlotte, uh, Becky Lynch, Alexa Bliss, Natalia, Naomi, Ember Moon, Lana, and Sasha Banks. In this match, in terms of star power, if you rank them, um, Charlotte's number one. And then it's a little bit of a cluster, like Alexa Bliss, uh, Natalia, because of her association with Ronda Rousey, certainly has been elevated. Uh, Naomi and Lana and Sasha are all kind of in a cluster there. Ember Moon is new, but this could be a match where they really make a statement with her. I I think the field is is pretty open, and I, I think Charlotte doesn't really need... A title win, I think the winner is going to be more strategically is either going to be we want to give a boost to somebody like Ember Moon or we want to give Sasha something something of a hook to carry her character, as Brian points out, for an extended period of time. Or it's going to be very specifically storyline based, something that Vince absolutely has his mind locked in on. And so it doesn't it's not really a rationale of this person's better over these others as much as it is this is an idea I have for a storyline that plays out over the next several months. Uh, or many months, and that's what's dictating the win. I, I think it was already foreshadowed. I think it was Natalia saying that Ronda's going to become the Raw Women's Champion on the same night she becomes Ms. Money in the Bank. I, I think that's the direction to go here. And so who is your who's the backup plan to that? Oh, you know, it's tough because I, I, well, I'm with you, and I don't think Charlotte needs to win a briefcase in order to get a title shot. Um they may find some value in hey the tables are turned on Carmella now because she would you know cash in the, the the contract on Charlotte to take the title and now Charlotte can do that to her it, it's not very appealing to me I mean I wouldn't I'd love to see them do something with Sasha Banks and and ideally as a heel um, but I'm really I, I guess I don't see a need for Alexa. To be to have it unless you're trying to set up some fluky thing with her and Rousey for somewhere down the road. Um, I, I love Becky Lynch, but they don't seem to. So, <laughs> and 
Lana scares the hell out of me being in a ladder match, but you know, there's the thought of her winning. I mean, it, it does frighten me that like there, there must be a reason she's in this. I don't really know what reason that is Wade. And I just hope it's not winning the contract. Yeah. I would have Lana as my last place possibility. Um, yeah. I don't think Naomi makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, you know, yes, there's people like, oh, but I like Naomi. I want her to win every match she's ever in. Yeah, but booking-wise, I just don't think that's a real a real valuable tool. Um, Becky Lynch, I think, would get a, the biggest boost out of it. But uh, I, I I think Charlotte and, and Alexa. Here is a good hand. Yeah, exactly. And Alexa already has been at the top, and I'm just not sure carrying that around gives her much of a boost. And that's where Ember Moon gets a boost. Charlotte's a big star. Natalia, there's that built-in storyline. And Sasha, maybe they see that as a way to resuscitate somebody that they think has, you know, just needs needs something to get back to that level. So I guess those are kind of my top four for different reasons each. Um, yeah, oh. good good top four. All right, so one other uh, Money in the Bank-related email. This is a follow-up to a conversation Sam Roberts and I had last week. Philip from D.C. says, I'm listening to you in the... And uh, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, talk about the possibility of Roman and Jinder going on last at Money in the Bank. And I will say, for those who didn't see last week's show, we laughed as we said it. We weren't serious, but we were like, <laughs> imagine this happens. Um, I mean, because it, 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 it would have been a laugh line before Backlash, and it happened. So um, keeping in mind that the show is in Chicago and how notorious a crowd they have a reputation of being, if it gets to the point when the crowd realizes that Roman and Jinder are closing the show, how likely would it be that the crowd pulls a Backlash 2.0 and we see a mass exit of fans during the match? If people walked out on Roman and Joe, I can't imagine that a Roman-Jinder match would be have any better of a reception. Your thoughts? So, Jason, first, it, it, it's not going to happen, right? It's not even a possibility. No, it can't be. There's, I mean, I, look, I wasn't surprised that Roman and Joe headlined the last pay-per-view. I, I just wasn't, especially, you know, with the finish they ended up going with for AJ and Shinsuke. I mean, that would have been a, a triple low blow. The fans getting the the third low blow had they gone with that same finish in the, the actual main event slot. So I, I really wasn't surprised that they went with Roman and Joe there. Um, this time around, I, I mean, I... I don't know what they're doing. I mean, it's just the, the whole raw heel crew is so weak in terms of, you know, I, hey, I like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn too, but from an in-ring credibility standpoint and, and not in terms of ability, but rather, can this guy beat Roman Reigns? Can this guy beat Braun Strowman? There's no one. Uh, they've they recruited, they, they brought over all of these damaged heels from the SmackDown brand. And I still wonder if some of that is Vince looking, going, well, this person's less likely to be booed against Roman. And so you get that with gender. And I think the Chicago crowd is probably going to cheer for gender, or they're just going to crap all over it. I don't think there's any chance that Roman Reigns is cheered by the Chicago crowd. So I I think it's just going to be another awkward and should be embarrassing moment to them that they'll spin away as, oh, any reaction is a good reaction. I, I do wonder if Chicago fans are creative enough Creative enough sounds is is even overstating what it would take for this. But if the Chicago fans don't just for the entire duration of this of that match chant CM Punk, uh, yeah, I can totally see that, especially with the lawsuit going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I could just and, and then does Vince call for an early finish because <laughs> it's just it's become this huge embarrassment. Does he just mute the crowd and have the announcers ignore it? 
Uh, does he think, well, someday we're going to get Punk back, so this is good for business? Um, you know, Punk as a babyface against Roman as a heel is, is a gigantic WrestleMania 37 main event if they want it. Although Punk did recently say he doesn't miss pro wrestling at all. Uh, and I believe him, actually. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I Look, it, he might not be the world's greatest MMA fighter. You know, I mean, he's had one fight, he lost, and all of that, but he's really into the lifestyle. And this, I haven't heard any recent updates, but I mean, he really committed himself to that. And the, you know, the documentary on him showed that. And, and so I think it, things could change. He may not miss pro wrestling, but if this lawsuit doesn't go his way, I mean, I don't know what his bank account looks like, but uh, there may be a need for pro wrestling if things don't go his way in MMA. But if all of a sudden he wins that fight, which is right around the corner, uh, well, he probably gets uh, you know another fight from UFC, and, and that keeps him around. But if you know if, if everything works out to where all right, he loses the fight, he loses the lawsuit, I still don't know that it would be WWE that he would return to. That's the thing. And I, I want to elaborate more on this on the VIP After Show with you on, on the All In Show and a sequel and where CM Punk fits into that. So we'll, we'll table that uh, for the moment. But I do want to get uh, two more topics in before we wrap up uh, the uh, Thursday Flagship Prayer Podcast one. Kevin in Albany, New York says, so I don't have Twitter. And that's just like, really? You're a wrestling fan? You're on Twitter? All right. So I don't have Twitter. And basically, I just read the news headlines, not the details. But just the TV show, but I just heard the TV show Roseanne was canceled by ABC after Roseanne has had multiple political and racial tweets. I also heard last month that the TV show was getting over 15 million viewers. And they got the axe immediately after this Twitter fiasco. Should this worry WWE at all? Are they going to have to pay more attention to their public image and monitor more than they currently do? The talent, the talents, social media accounts, and outside appearances. Um, it, it's a relevant question across my mind. I thought the big, the biggest loser in pro wrestling on this is Hulk Hogan. Um, if there was any chance of Hogan coming back, I think it gets kicked down the road because of this. I, I just it, whatever equity and value Hogan has to WWE is is not worth uh, the risk associated with the comments he made becoming an issue in some form or fashion that spooks Fox and NBC executives. It's just the timing now is terrible. Now, maybe a year and a half from now, it doesn't matter when the contracts are all locked in and if Hogan is on good behavior. But this is part of the reason that they script wrestlers as much as they do on live television. They don't want wrestlers saying things that end up becoming a huge issue. And the culture of WWE with live television is if you say something, you have to understand there's a lot more going on than just your career right now, and we need to know what you're going to say before you say it, and and that's their policy. And I think nobody's as unhinged and crazy as Roseanne in WWE uh, now that Enzo's gone. <laughs> but I was going to say, and, and Vince is still there, you know. Well, there is that. No, Vince has much more discipline than Roseanne or Enzo when it comes to what to say on live television. Um, now, you know, what he might say in a fit of frustration behind the scenes um, is, is different, but that is a different category. What you say behind the scenes versus what you say on Twitter or on live television are two different things. So, I mean, I think it's, it's Kevin brings up a relevant point that it, I think with the kind of money that's at stake, this is further reason that WWE scripts talent. And yes, they need to make sure that they have talks with talent. It might seem like a discussion you don't need to have, but I think you, you need, you know, you still ought to do it if you're WWE is tell wrestlers if you are doing anything in social media and you have any kind of political view or or view on, on, on controversial topics, think long and hard about how important it is for you to let the world know that and balance it against the risk 
that you're putting your the, the risk to your career if something you say blows up in a way that you don't anticipate. So you just you're you're free to speak how you want, but we're free to hire and fire you. And you have to understand that we have to do what's what protects our company image. And so every time you 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 post something on social media, think about the fact that your job is potentially at risk doing it. Absolutely, yeah. And look, it, it's if it's a talent that does it. All right, WWE, there's a little backlash. They fire the person if it's something you know that that warrants that. Yeah. Um, if it's it, where it would become an issue where ooh, we're not sure about this television deals. If it's Vince McMahon or Stephanie McMahon, and I don't, I can't, I don't pretend to know if Hunter and Steph run their own Twitter pages, but everything I've always heard is that Vince's assistant runs his Twitter page for him. So he's, it's not like you're going to get some drunken midnight rambling from Vince McMahon on Twitter. You know, it, it, you can, he's been, it's been very business-like on there. And so I, I don't really fear that. But like you say, you know, it's, does he get caught saying something? Not that there's, you know, horror stories about Vince McMahon saying things in recent years, but, you know, just saying it. Uh, it's, is it a possibility that someone records him saying something he should? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, I guess it's a possibility, but I, I don't think you're going to have the Twitter meltdown. And, Shame on Roseanne. Really? That that was such a fun reboot. I, I The whole political nature of it was so overblown. I watched that first episode, and it was two characters going back and forth equally. And I'm like, this is fun. I even talked to my dad. We're completely opposed politically. And we both had fun laughing at you know both sides of it. And she freaking blew it. I, I feel so bad for the rest of that cast. She's always been the worst thing about that show to me. So I hope they keep it going without her. Yeah, you wonder if, if they could do a show without the main star based on the rest of the cast, or if it's just too, it's too based around her, the name of the show and the, it's uh, happened. well, yeah, well, we give examples. Uh, was it Valerie's family? Yes, it yes. was a show that Jason Bateman was on and the lead star, Valerie Harper, I believe it was ended up leave. I don't know if it was a contract dispute or what it was, but she ended up leaving and, and she was replaced. And yeah, it went from being Valerie to Valerie's family. Now it didn't have the same, same cachet as Roseanne. Wasn't it Hogan do... family? <laughs> Hogan's family. Um, no, I think, it may I, think, have been. I think there, I think it was Valerie Hogan was the name of the character. And then when Valerie, or was, when Valerie left, it became Hogan's family. Yeah, but, it, very, it, it may have been. You might be right on that. But yeah, I mean, it's not unprecedented. The, the thing that I, th- you know, that one, it was early on. It, I, I don't think it was that big of a deal that she left. I mean, it was news at the time. But this one, I mean, you're talking John Goodman and Sarah Gilbert. There's some, and Laurie Metcalf. There's some really beloved cast members there that I think people would support. No, no, I agree. And I, I would not be surprised if it didn't cross my mind. I mean, another example, Jason, is uh, on Netflix with House of Cards. The, sh- the series went on without Kevin Spacey. And Frank Underwood was the main character, but it was a strong enough ensemble cast that they just decided to do the final season without him when the scandals broke around him. So, yeah, that could happen. Um, it doesn't... I don't think WWE is in WWE. Obviously, can write out any character that they want and continue to go on. So, I mean that it's not it wouldn't threaten WWE as a series, but it's just a headache WWE doesn't need. Yeah, you know, especially now when the contracts aren't signed. Once they're signed, <laughs> it's a little less of, a, of an issue. Well, and, you know, but there will be clauses. Pitch. There'll be clauses in the oh, contract true. that that could disrupt things if somebody really went really went crazy. It would almost have at this point. I think they've done a good enough job of establishing Paul Levesque as uh, you know, just being a, a bright wrestling mind. That I even wonder, like, if Vince McMahon said something completely off the charts, if 
all right, we're just voting him out as uh, chairman of the board, and it's Paul Levesque, and, and the networks would go for it. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of stars not being on shows, Monday Night Raw this week, Jason, managed to exist without its top star, Roman Reigns. And Shane yeah. from Flint, Michigan, emailed and said, so much for Roman Reigns' whole shtick about there being uh, him being an every night guy, while Brock only comes in when he feels like it. Um, uh, do, do we do we cut Roman some slack for taking Memorial Day off? Was it? Uh, it just I, I, there He's is not a, writing his lines, folks. <laughs> no, no, no. But obviously, we're we're being criti- we're criticizing the 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 lines that the character speaks, um, and WWE on the whole it, it, it should. WWE continue to have Roman talk about being an every week guy if they are going to give him weeks off. It puts them in an awkward position. I mean, if if this were a shoot, uh, Paul Heyman shows up next time with Roman Reigns and says, oh, Roman, uh, it's been fun watching you every single week on television, um, but Memorial Day, I must have gone out to flip the burgers on the grill because I don't remember seeing you. I mean, it's just they have to be careful what the characters say because it can add to completely unnecessary resentment to the Roman Reigns character when people figure that out or, or note that and now they see Roman as a hypocrite. Yeah, I don't know why they just didn't play it up and maybe they did and I missed it in the commentary that he was out injured you know, because Jinder had destroyed him with the chair shots the week before and, and at least that way you're covering the character that well, he wanted to be here but he's so banged up he wasn't medically cleared. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, appreciate it, Shane. You allowed us to talk a little bit about gender. And, and of course, it's just not – just feels – I feel empty when I don't don't have a little a little Roman topic. Well, we did talk about Reigns' gender being the last match potentially also. Um, final topic, uh, Enzo Amore. What's his name now? His new name, Jason? Real one. Real and the number one, yeah. Um, yeah. So he puts out this, uh, this, this video, uh, not safe for work. Uh, you can – Google it or find it on ProWrestling.net. Um, I mean, he, he was, uh, you know, charges were not pressed uh, in, the, uh, in the, the sexual uh, allegations. that Insufficient let, evidence. Insufficient evidence to charge him. Um, and, and it led to his dismissal from WWE. And in a totally predictable way, Enzo did a, a raunchy, um, I don't know if raunchy is a word, uh, an angry uh, video with a bunch of swear words, grabbing his crotch, um, insulting fans, mocking, opening with a scene of the stereotypical fat guy on the couch with a shirt two sizes too small, eating junk food, watching wrestling, and and you know, while Enzo's, on his computer, while on his computer, yeah. Oh, and I love it too. It was an original iMac, <laughs> like it was one of those, you know, <laughs> like not a flat screen iMac, but the the ones that are pretty cool that are going to be in museums someday. Um, the all-in-one. So it's just like he just. I watched that video and I'm I'm just like, well, this is why Vince McMahon should never even consider hiring this guy again. I mean, when we talk about Roseanne and what that did to you know this this cast and crew and, and ABC Network, Enzo is is an unpredictable, as unpredictable as anybody in wrestling in recent memory in that regard. And I think that this uh, this video kind of backs that up. Yeah, I mean, the first thing that jumped out at me is, wow, this guy is terrible at rapping. Uh, he sounds like he's he's reciting the lines and he sounds super hoarse. He just, he's, like, it's, I listened to NWA back in the day, Public Enemy and stuff, and there's cussing and there's all sorts of things in there that, you know, that, that just kind of 
par for the course back in those days anyway. And, and, I, and I don't listen. I'm not a hip-hop guy these days, so I don't listen. But, yeah, it. I, mean, I, I, if, I know the lawyer put out the story that Enzo didn't know he was under investigation. If that's true, okay. But I still kind of find that as convenient as Hollywood Reporter having all this information about the closed-door meetings with the WWE and Fox. Um, I... I, I, they got rid of him because he didn't tell them that he was under investigation. And that right there, before anything yep. else, I yep. just like, you, you can't do business with this guy again. He was under investigation for rape. And even if he thought, hey, this is complete BS, I, did, I know I didn't do it, whatever the case may be from his perspective, he didn't tell his employer. Yep. That's, a, that's a huge mistake. And, and it's an unforgivable one. Uh, it's an absolutely perfect point to make on this whole thing. And the idea that he's going to lash out at people on Twitter because of things that were said, it's like anybody can say anything on social media. And if you decide to put a video together and use the name value that you have from WWE TV to get back at people who said things that hurt your feelings on Twitter, it's like get a life, move on. You, it's just like that's – that should not that should not be the driving force of what you think is going to is going to be the next phase of your career. Um, so, I mean, the whole thing was just I, I thought the whole approach he took was 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 petty and immature and distasteful. And but also served the image that I think he's aiming for. And I think he wants people like me to be criticizing him for that video. You know, I mean, in that sense, he's winning because but but I think the 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 uh, the the prize for winning I think is a lot smaller than he realizes if the goal was to get people talking about him and 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 saying oh that that didn't do him any good and he came across bad in that video and so he's getting the attention he, that he's seeking the attention he's seeking I think the the pot of gold at the end of of that journey is is a lot smaller and more fleeting than I think uh the former Enzo Amore realizes yeah it, I mean he was bragging that he had over a million views but there's a freak show element to that. You know, can, can you convert those one million people, many of which you probably insulted, uh, can you convert them into paying customers when it's time to actually release something on iTunes or wherever he distributes this? Yeah. And that's the big question. I, I mean, I'm sure he probably does have some fans still out there sure. um, that, that will support this. It's just a question of how many. I, I just am curious where he is financially in, in now or in three years, you know, I mean, I, I do think that unless it's so much of this is a public act, I just don't sense that he's taking time out every few months to go sit down with a financial advisor and, and, and plan out the rest of his life based on his projected income level uh, once he's not on WWE TV. And, and I, I doubt that he's he's being prudent about it. And I think he he's somebody who might might have a, a harsh reality um, uh Come around the corner in terms of what he's going to have to do just to get medical insurance and pay the bills. You know, for- yeah, and, and I question the strategy. I mean, yeah, you put this out; it addresses his departure. His, you know, basically it addresses everything that happened in Phoenix, where you know the uh, the incident allegedly occurred. It, boy, I mean, yeah, it got you the one million looks. What the hell else are you going to rap about? I know. Um, that's one where all right, if you have any skills. Put out a song and impress people with it and let them know that, hey, you got to pay to hear the comeback to all the allegations and my WWE departure. So I, I kind of question the strategy because, like, all right, what else, what else is left? And, Him insulting some wrestler or something? Who cares? And, and with his reputation, I just don't know how many convention organizers and and indie promoters are are going to be willing to, to put – 
to, to put the time and effort into promoting him if, if they think it, it, that it could just blow up in their face. So anyway, sadly, um, sadly the way I do think there's, he's going to be booked. I, I think well, he, how many though? That's my thing is hey, there'll be some, but I, I don't know. I, I, I am doubting whether enough are going to be out there and how long it will last that there'll be equity in that. And you know, in fairness, I shouldn't even say sadly. I mean, I I, sure. I think he's kind of a knucklehead, but he's got a right to work like everybody else. So, um, but yeah, I, I do think he'll be booked. To, but I, I, that's the thing; he hasn't really positioned this as he's open to that. He thinks he's like this entertainment mogul in, in the works because he's writing screenplays and, and people know, recognize shooting. him on the street. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how much of that was the, the whole New York Times thing was legit, or well, you know, Times they, Square, they had a lot of plants there. What? Yeah, Times Square. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, people certainly do recognize him, but um, it, I don't know that you know how long that's going to last. It, he had a relatively brief run in, in WWE. I mean, yeah, he was in NXT for yeah. a long time, but and then he was kind of buried on Two Hundred Five Live. I, I know he headlined Raw a couple of times, but I, I don't know. I, I don't see this. I, I think he's really going to have to make some major changes in order for this to end well if he's going to do well long-term in pro wrestling. But I think those immediate bookings will be there if he wants them. All right, Jason. Well, uh, appreciate your uh, your time today. Always fun talking wrestling with you. We're going to, on the other side here of uh, of this uh, this show, uh, cover or talk about some other topics, Raw, SmackDown, and some other things that I mentioned on our uh, VIP after show. So if uh, people are not VIP members or ProSing.net members, go sign up so you can hear uh, this next show that Jason and I record. And uh, Jason, thank you very much. Always fun. So just a reminder, you can support us when you support our sponsors. MeUndies.com slash Wade gets you 20% off men's and women's underwear and support homeless LGBTQ youth at the same time. That's MeUndies.com slash Wade. Also, check out linkedin.com slash Wade for $50 off if your job includes hiring people. That's linkedin.com slash Wade for your $50 credit today. And wwenetwork.com slash Wade gets you two months free of WWE Network, including Money in the Bank and Extreme Rules, and by the way, NXT TakeOver, which is looking good. Uh, plus, be sure to go VIP and take the ads and plugs out of these shows Get a ton of exclusive podcasts throughout the week that only VIP members hear, including about a dozen more that I host throughout the week. Yes, I host about 16 podcasts per week. And also, 30 years of archives, actually over 30 years of archives of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter, and uh, about 15 years of audio archives dating back to when we launched the VIP podcast service back before podcasting was even a word, and also retro radio shows dating back to my early 90s radio show on KFAN, over 100 episodes of those available as soon as you sign up. All compatible with iPhone and Android apps for podcasts and also ad-free VIP-exclusive websites that are mobile-friendly and desktop-friendly. So go VIP or at least check out information on a VIP membership. Get full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com. And be sure to check out Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast on the Steve Austin Show here at Podcast One. The guest on the latest episode that just dropped on Tuesday was A.J. Kirsch, who competed on WWE's Tough Enough Season 5 with Stone Cold as the host. They talk about the Tough Enough experience, A.J.'s current role with the Hood Slam promotion, his recent knee surgery, dating naked, and why Nickelback is awesome. Yeah, 
go check that out. It's uh, the Steve Austin Show right here at Podcast One. Just search Steve Austin in the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. That'll do it for me for today. We've got an interview coming up tomorrow, but if you missed my post-Raw and post-Smackdown shows earlier in the week, be sure to search Wade Keller and subscribe to the Red Brand. I do four shows per week, the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcasts here at Podcast One late in the week, and the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows that are not at Podcast One. Earlier in the week, the post-Raw and post-Smackdown live call-ins from viewers of the programs, on-site correspondents who are in the building, along with our mailbag segment. I'm joined by a rotation of great co-hosts. Be sure to check that show out if you haven't yet. That's the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. You can stream it live right after Round SmackDown end at wadekellerpostshow.com or subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts on your iPhone and Android apps. Just search Wade Keller and look for the red logo and the blue logo to get all four shows per week. And while you're at it, search PW Torch to subscribe for free to the PW Torch Livecast lineup. That includes a show dedicated every Wednesday night to NXT. Every Thursday night, a show dedicated to Impact Wrestling. Plus shows dedicated to MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans, ROH, The Deep Dive with Rich Fan, Wrestling Night in America with Greg Parks, and more. Seven shows per week, all on different topics with different themes, with my colleagues at PW Torch. It's the PW Torch Livecast. Find the shows at pwtorchlivecast.com or search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Just a final note, I invite you to follow me on Twitter at The Wade Keller and follow our brand at PW Torch. That's at The Wade Keller and at PW Torch. And also on Facebook, you can like our brand at facebook.com slash PW Torch and friend me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Wade Keller Torch. If you've got a question for our flagship edition of the program or thoughts and comments on Raw and SmackDown each week, send those emails to wadekellerpodcast at pewtorch.com. And if you attend a live event, we invite you, encourage you to send a live report to pewtorch at pewtorch.com. That's pewtorch at pewtorch.com. Easy to remember. Send us the results of the show that you attend and let us know uh, who, who beat who. And what the show was like, what the attendance was like, all kinds of details. You can see the format that we utilize to help guide you at pwtorch.com. Just click on the results tab. We also, by the way, have tons of new content throughout the week on pwtorch.com. My live coverage of Raw and SmackDown, my live coverage of WWE pay-per-views, reports on ROH TV, NXT TV, Impact TV, MLW TV, and more, plus special editorials, flashbacks, breaking news, and more. Go check it out every single day pwtorch.com Thank you everybody for your support and for listening to today's program and until tomorrow this is Wade Keller signing off I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. President Trump is tweeting that the fake news media wants a confrontation with Russia even one that could lead to war. The president's talking tougher about Russia now. We're doing very well, uh, probably as well as anybody has ever done with Russia. And there's been no president ever as tough as I have been on Russia. And he says in an interview with CBS that he told Vladimir Putin during their recent summit in Helsinki to stay out of America's elections. I do have confidence in our intelligence agencies as currently constituted. I think that Dan Coates is excellent. I think that Gina is excellent. Uh, I think we have excellent people in the agencies. And when they tell me something, it means a lot. 
Russian President Vladimir Putin talking publicly now for the first time about the Helsinki summit, calling it a success, but warning about critics in the U.S. I'm Rita Foley.